Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Jesus told his disciples that there was no greater love than one would lay down his life for his friends. And he also told us that if you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll lose your life for me, you'll find it. And what would it benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? If you ever want to know the definition of love, just look at Jesus. He, he laid it all down. He, Philippians, Paul tells us that he didn't consider it robbery to set aside his divine powers to become a slave. That's a big mystery. So, Lord, I thank you that you made a way for us. And then you go beyond even that laying down of your own life to make a way for us. Then you call us sons and daughters. I don't think we really get a hold of that, the reality of what Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3. The inheritance, the heirs of the promise. God, I pray for a greater and greater revelation of that love for us, that we reciprocate, Lord, with laid down lives that really truly want to be your friends, and that you'll share the secrets. He tells us in John 16, he says, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. That was about three years into the journey the disciples had been with him. So I know in the discipleship journey of life, God, I pray for that revelation of a desire to be the friends of God. What does that even look like? God, I thank you for greater and greater revelation of the, the rhema revelation of being a son and a daughter for the one who laid it all down that we might have eternal life. Move that from our heads to our hearts, Lord, in such a way that we capture the revelation of that. And then it motivates us in ways that it's been said that lovers do a whole lot more than, than servants. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Wow, there's a lot of folks here. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Caught up in it. Hallelujah. Mm. Well, it's hard to imagine. We, um, we did six weeks of ministry team training. Maybe it was five weeks. I can't, lost track. And now another six weeks of uh, deliverance prayer ministry training. Thirteen weeks of Friday night tent revival meetings. Uh, evangelism outreaches on Thursday. And then we culminated with camp meeting that ended Sunday night. <laughs> and uh, whew, praise God. Uh, Sunday night was really uh, kind of a special night when uh, just before Jeremiah Johnson got up at the camp and uh, was sharing, uh, Parker Green did an evangelistic outreach, mess short little message, and I, I, can't, I don't know, Buck, maybe you know, 
I think at least 12, maybe more, responded to the altar call. At least, right? And um, I sat back there and, you know, and, and I was like, Lord, you would have done all this right for that. And the reality of that just hit me. It says, if that were your son or daughter, or your close friend or relative that responded to the salvation, what would you pay for that? What would you do for that? The reality of that. So I just want to honor all those, the sweat and uh, equity of those who cooked and set up and took down all the, just thank you. I just, the Lord thanks you and I thank you. It was really awesome. So I met with a leader today in town. So we're going to just kind of pray into it. I encourage you to pray in with us as to, okay, so what's next? What's the next steps of this? And I've got some stuff rocking and rolling. Um, and just ask the Lord to bring revelation. I don't want to do anything for just doing things. So, But we, we know that when he tells us what to do, because the revival train's coming, right, Chester? Yeah, praise the Lord. So... Um, Tonight, I want to, I don't know if you all grasped, but how many have ever heard John Ramirez speak before? Not in person, but you've heard it, yeah. Okay, about half of you. Um, I want to put a caveat on this, okay? This is kind of raw. Um, first of all, he's from New York, down by Toity, Toid and Toid, okay? And so, having been there in the Bronx and uh, went there for four years at school and, um, but when a high-level Satanist comes out and converts and then reveals the strategy of darkness, it would be really wise for us to understand how the enemy works, how would they think, uh, and, and how did he come out of that? What, so how much of that, it's about a 40, I think a 38, 40-minute one, um, but he'll kind of walk you through some of the way uh, the enemy entices people in, the exposure out of ignorance, things at doors that get opened, and then how the occult thinks. The devil is out to kill you. Make no mistake about it. He's out to kill you, take your children, and destroy your life. Once you recognize that, we started the first night meeting with uh, we're at war. So if you still need some handouts, I have a couple of still extras here. The, the biblical basis, one, equipping the saints, which we did, and then we're wartime Christians, and there's the scriptures associated with that. Um, and then last week, we handed out the notes and kind of did a summary. So if you hadn't gotten those, you can get those uh, later. We're not going to go there tonight, but they're available up here if you want them. Um, I want to ask just a couple of questions, and I want to get into the video, and then I want to take time at the end. So those listening by live stream, since um, this is his private video, we can show it here, but we can't live stream it, but we've sent you the connection where you can go online at home and watch it with us and then come back on live stream. So Daniel sent that out, right, Daniel? The link is in the description. Hallelujah, okay. Um, so a couple of quick, so to kind of set this up, I want to pray over us as well. I had one person tell me, he goes, I can't come watch this. That, uh, it, it makes me feel un, unnerved. And so I get it. Um, so let me also mention that the, um, everything expressed in the video is not necessarily the views of management but it's worth listening to and then we can debate, right? And so, um, all right. First, couple of quick questions. Um, I went to the deliverance training on, I think it was Saturday, when the, the Greers came in and I really enjoyed that and 
just confirmed a whole lot for me. Here's a guy who's been doing deliverance um, 35 something years all over the world as well, he and his wife. His wife wrote a book called I Married an Exorcist, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I haven't read the book, but it was, I, I, I liked all the confirmation of his experiences and mine. And it was like, man, I, I went into a level. First I said, do I really need to go listen to this, Lord? He was quiet, and I said, yes, I do. And I really, really enjoyed it. And it did something to me about the affirmation of the, the war we're in and also the power that we've been given. And so I want to ask a couple of questions before we get started. which help set the confirmation of you don't need to be afraid. Uh, you don't need to be uh, disturbed even though it is disturbing when you hear how Satanists actually project to go murder people. And if you've ever listened how Anton LaVey died, the head of the Satanist church, interesting uh, scripture of the, of the church and the pastor who was not into deliverance ministry who had a person come that was actually a, being groomed as a daughter of a, a bride of Satan and how he died that night during astral projection, how the church prayed and the intercessor, it's a, it's a riveting, he goes, let me tell you the real story. I was there and he goes back months and months in advance of the setup and how it all came about and, and uh, you need to recognize this is a real war. And we can be nice, what do we call, where's Lisa? Nice church ladies, sweet little church ladies or nice, we should be, you know, all that. But you need to recognize there is a war side of us that has to, you need to stand in the gap. And so, and when your family gets attacked, you need to stand in the gap. Last night, uh, when I got my my daughter and son-in-law and the four kids were up at a campsite uh, outside of Blowing Rock, and we were farm sitting for all the animals, my wife and I, so we get this call that says, Laura's on her way to the emergency room uh, in Lenore County, up there, I guess it's called Lenore. Um, and so they diagnosed her, she has a rash, high fever, neck, it says, we think she has spinal meningitis. So I said, first of all, if you know anything about that, uh, that can be deadly in 24 hours. And so we got on the war zone, got on the phone with Miss Addie, and Pat put it out, and I, I appreciate those who are on that connection, and we started praying. And at 2.30, at 12.45, Miss Addie texts me and says, you know how Miss Addie is, and we were standing on the wall. When it gets that close, there's a time when the sword has to come out, and you're not gonna touch what is mine. And there's, and then at 2.30 in the morning, they did a spinal tap, and they said, no meningitis. Looks like Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and they d- put her on uh, doxycycline. The point of all that is, this is a war, and there's a point when it's really close, if it's family or people that are really, it, there's, a, there's a part of you that you, you walk through the, what do I do now, how do I stand? You know, Being a, an intercessor for others is one thing. Being an intercessor for those that are in close family, there's something that rises up and we need to recognize that there is a war that is on, that the enemy is the, he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But we can stand. Now you can back down out of fear, and we can never do that. So a couple of scriptures. What, what I want to ask you the question is, um, what is the criteria for doing deliverance? What is required of you to do deliverance? Say it again. 
That's the desire, the output. But what's the, um, what qualifies you? Born again, and what else? Holy Spirit, which, so let me put these two together. If you're born again, and you have faith, predominantly in what Jesus said, the word, you're qualified. Remember, it's, it's not a gift, right? It's, it's not a gift that's given. You look at the gifts that are, and we've covered these. It's not a gift. In fact, you're all required to do deliverance, right? First, first session we ever did, Mark 16. These are the signs, right? Go into all the world, make disciples of all men. And then it goes on and says, these will be the signs of them that believe. And the first one is cast out demon. So if you're sitting there saying, that's not my call. Yes, it is. It's actually your commission. And so you don't really have a choice. You can choose not to fight. And usually that's based upon either fear or lack of understanding or I guess um, lack of training. I, I don't know. But so qualification is if you're a born again believer and you have faith, give me one example of scripture. You don't have to tell me the quote. We'll go there. Where they didn't have what they needed to be able to do deliverance. The disciples where? The young boy, Mark chapter nine, right? And so let me, let me have you turn here. Turn with me to this scripture. Let's look at, go instead of Mark nine, let's go to Matthew 17, the account in Matthew of this. In Matthew 17, And we've covered this. I just want to hammer it again because it's not a, a, um, an encouragement by Jesus to his disciples, right? So in, in Matthew 17, look at, um, let's begin. Verse 14 says, Matthew 17, 14, New Living Translation says, at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's had seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls in the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. So he has an infirmity, right? He's being tormented. It's actually a destructive spirit that's operating, and tries to drown him, actually, another translation says in, in Mark 9, tries to drown him, turn him, blow, throw him in the fire. Can you imagine the torment that this father's gotta do? He's got a son that he's gotta watch, he's gonna either fall in the water and drown, or he's gonna f- jump in a fire. So he has a tormenting spirit that is on him. So you, as a parent, you'd imagine, let me bring my child somewhere that somebody can help me, please. And we sometimes have them come here with that, and says, bring the boy to me. But his response in verse 17 is, you faithless and corrupt people. He calls them faithless and perverse in Mark, Mark chapter nine. So here's his disciples, he says, you're faithless, you're corrupt, or you're perverse. And wow, I, that's a strong language. And so he, he goes on and says, bring the boy to me. Then Jesus rebukes the demon in the boy and it leaves him. And from that moment on, the boy was well. Afterwards, the disciples asked privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Jesus' response, you didn't have enough faith. So faithlessness, and this is a big deal. Faith matters. When he says, when I come back, will I find faith in the earth? Because when everything starts going in a handbasket here, right, 
and people are falling away from faith. It says, the love of many will grow cold. Sin will be rampant everywhere. They'll be turning away everywhere. When that starts happening, when you start taking away people's goodies and their comfort levels and all of that, where, where's God? So in the midst of that, it's gonna be a challenge. And that's why he says, when I can return, will I find faith? So faithlessness is part of the reason why people do not do deliverance. Either I don't have faith that I can do it, you have been given all the authority and the devil cannot hurt you. Now he wants to, and you're gonna see this in this video. One of the reasons John Ramirez converted was when Satan, when he went to say, tried to kill a spirit-filled woman, and when he was unable, even after fasting and going all different levels of darkness, conjuring up spiritual dimension against this woman, he could not do it has an encounter with Satan and says, why? And he says, we can't touch them. I want to tell you, I've never been hurt. They can't touch you. People that go with us who follow the, and even though we engage with high levels of darkness in spiritually, very spiritually dark regions of the world, we have not been hurt. Because this scripture is really real, and either you and I believe it, or we might as well go play golf. I don't play golf, but do something, right? It's, so turn with me. I know we've read the scripture, but I want you to hear it again. Turn with me to Luke's gospel in chapter 10. So we're dispelling the myth that says, it's not my responsibility to do deliverance. Yes, it is. What do you require? Be a believer and have faith. Believe the word. Believe the word. You believe it for salvation? Believe it for the rest of the story. And then he goes on, he says, so he sends out 72 disciples, two by two. Are these perfect disciples? We know nothing about the 72. They started following Jesus while he was preaching with the 12, and he anoints 72 of them, which means they haven't been to Bible school. They probably, they probably are brand new believers but they have faith and he sends them out. So this idea, well, well, I don't have enough Jesus in me, all right? I don't have enough word. Again, that's not the qualification. Now it's great if you, I don't recommend any open doors because you can get in a mess when you got open doors. We've covered that. But this scripture, when they come back and report that even the demons have to listen to us inexperienced believers, Look at it, verse 17. When the seven, this is Luke 10, 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. It's the name of Jesus. It's faith in Jesus. Yes, he told them. Now, I saw, and this is Jesus reporting, and this, this befuddles me a little bit. I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Get a picture of that for a moment. The prince of darkness, you got these inexperienced guys in a village, two by two, doing ground level warfare, and Jesus is witnessing the prince of darkness falling like lightning. Now if that doesn't mess with you, it's like, what is going on here? That's the, it's a, you are undermining the king of darkness's whole dominion by doing this ground level warfare. And it says, he told them, I saw Satan falling like lightning. Look, look, I have given you authority over all power of the enemy. 
I have given you all power over all works of the enemy. I have, I, Jesus, have given you all authority and power. Authority is backed up by power. When you engage in darkness, it is backed up by the king of kings. And those demons are afraid of you. They know exactly what you're about to do. That's why they do all sorts of weird stuff. Intimidating, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna foam at the mouth. You know, it's all this distraction. He says, I have given. So look, I have given you this. You can walk among the snakes and scorpions. Fill a room full of snakes and scorpions and think about walking through that room. Like, Pastor, that's crazy. I know it's crazy. That's so outlandish that Jesus is trying to make it so, look, put the whole kit and caboodle of those ugly things in one place and start walking through it. They can't touch you. Why is he speaking such, like this is like really wild language, Lord, because he wants us to get it. If you're afraid of the devil, you need to get over that because he's not giving you that fear. That's from the darkness, First, 2 Timothy 1.7, right? He gave you power, he gave you love, and he gave you a soundness of your mind. So you can get your head around this, you can get your love in it, you can get the power in it, and it's there. And so anytime you're intimidated by darkness, you need to ask the Lord why, and then get over it and say, look, it is not about me. It's about him. And so, I've given you all power. You can walk among the snakes and scorpions and crush them. Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Not his feet, your feet. These are scriptures that, when when I've been in some places like, Lord, I sure hope we live tomorrow, you know. Uh, I remember being in Tanzania, and it's like, I'm in this hut and uh, there's a guy with a 12 gauge shotgun outside because the villagers had been raiding and they were afraid that they might come and target me and they decided because of I was the leader they would give me my own little hut which, oh great, you know, now I'm in my hut by myself with some guy I don't even know with a gun outside my door so that I don't get robbed or killed at night. That's comforting. And the next morning I'm supposed to get up and go with Leif Hetland, Jack Taylor and several other pastors and meet in Moshi Town and stand up and declare the kingdom of God over the satanic realms of darkness in Africa. That's a crazy, when Leif told me that, I said, Leif, man, I'm, I rehearsed these scriptures that night. I'm telling you, there was darkness in my room of intimidation, trying to oppress me with fear. And I finally said, Lord, I started reading these scriptures again, and the Lord said, do you believe me? Or is this just nice sermon material? And God, I got a hold of that, and I went to bed, and I slept like a baby. And the next night, the people that were with us, they'll testify, we have never had such encounters with darkness of people manifesting that and being set free. And so I'm not telling you something I have not witnessed myself or gone through, but what I'm encouraging you to do is you need to get a hold of this and recognize because there's a season and a time coming in this realm that we're gonna have to stand and it's all, the lines are already being drawn, right? So Jeremiah Johnson's message about the three churches Sunday night was the Lord's church is called the surrendered church. And I want us to be the surrendered church. We have surrendered to him that he can do whatever he wants and we'll follow him. 
So I don't want us to be faithless, corrupt, or perverse, or any of those other ugly languages, right? And get a hold of the fact that you are a warrior, you have been given all authority, and heaven will back you up with power. That's the takeaway. So we're gonna roll this. Um, We'll save some time for questions afterwards. So Daniel, if you're about ready. So we're gonna go offline for those that are listening by live stream. I encourage you to look at the link that's there and then join back up with us in about you know, 40 minutes or so. So just kinda capture with the moments, listen to what it is, and again, eat the meat and spit out the bones, okay? So how many had this kinda sick feeling for a little while about how dark that was? Right? When you hear the strategy of the darkness and how people give themselves over to that, some by ignorance and some by choice. Um, so w- what are some of the takeaways that you want to ask about or trying to figure out? Well, I'm actually encouraged to uh it's just amazing at how everything, all of the, um, like the, the Trinity and the fasting and, you know, even speaking in tongues under Christianity, it's like the ideas are stolen by like, you know, by, by, by the demonic forces. It's like there's no creativity. And um, I mean, it's really um, encouraging um, to increase the amount of fasting to increase the prayers, you know, to see how, you know, they dedicate they, their, their whole nights um, to doing their rituals and, and learning about the principalities. So it's really encouraging that, that we've got to, uh, you know, to, to increase our time with God and, and to be able then to, to counter this. Yeah. What I love about the, the difference between the lukewarm Christian versus the spirit-filled Christian who has the relationship, they're the ones that were protected. And so that ought to drive us into a place of, wow, uh, cover us, Lord, right? I can just share to bear witness. Um, I had worked for years in a hospital, and there was a girl to work with me, and she absolutely hated me. And I didn't do anything, you know. Long story short, she was a witch. Called herself a white witch. She thought she was good. <laughs> but she got saved. And she came back to work. And she said, Lisa, you never did anything to be mean to me. And I hated you. And I said, well, that was just the devil in you hating Christ in me. That's just how it works. But she was very willing and hungry. And she said the same thing. When I started teaching her about baptizing the Holy Spirit in tongues, she said, oh, yeah, I had my prayer language in witchcraft. So she had that. And she always, if she gave anything away, she attached a spirit to it on purpose. So it just may, it's not to be afraid of that. It's like I buy a lot of things from secondhand stores, but now I'm cognizant of it, Mm. and I bless it for the kingdom. You know, just to be safe. Yeah. But yeah, she. So it's bearing witness to what he is saying. So in the natural, there was this anger, hatred. Oh, she was a spirit background, and then she shared with you later 
that uh, I hated you for what was in you. Right. It was the Christ in you. That, yeah. Yeah. She, but she was so easy to teach because she already understood the negative spiritual mm -hmm. aspect. And one of the interesting things she said one time, she said, one of the hardest things for me since I've been saved is how quiet it is. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, at night, I would leave out cinnamon, sugar, and other spices for my familiar spirits to come and get them, and they would clamor in the kitchen. But now that I'm saved, it's quiet. <laughs> nice. I think the, uh, the revelation is, I think I might have shared this one night, when um, years ago when, I, when the, the first Harry Potter movie was coming out, I just, you know, Deuteronomy 18.10 says, you better have nothing to do with that. It's an abomination. Any form of sorcery, witchcraft, omens, you know, medium psychics, uh, necromancing. So I just decided on a Saturday morning I was going to show a video of exposing this as just another. In fact, it was called uh, Harry Potter Witchcraft Repackaged. And that, we had probably 35, mostly women that had come in on a Saturday morning. And I showed the, the video of it. And I got some pushback with, Pastor, you're a little out there. Uh, what about Cinderella? You know, aren't you a little getting a little wound up here, too, too radical in this? I said, no, I don't think so. And uh, there was a woman sitting in the very, very back. I don't know who she was. And she goes, Pastor, can I speak? Because I was a witch. I've come out of this. Y'all better listen to what he's saying because if your children go and click on that site, it'll take you right to the Wiccan sites and they'll get snapped in this thing and that's part of the strategy. So we, we're so sometimes naive when you listen to their strategy, going into the clubs, projecting stuff, calling down the demonic presence. That's why when we go about our day in business, we should be praying in the spirit, taking authority over darkness in these areas, praying over the region. We know this principality. Look at the book of Daniel, right? In the battle when Daniel starts his prayer life to, to pray for his country, his nation, while he's in Babylon, we know he prayed 21 days. And the first response is, we heard your prayer, we've been trying to get through and we've been battling the principalities and I've gotta return because the prince of per over Persia is here and I've gotta return and then we're gonna engage the prince over Greece. So the thought that America, United States, doesn't have principalities and powers over this region the religious spirit over this region, and the enemy that's trying to come in here with all kinds of perversion, drug addiction, sex trafficking, that's agreement by darkness and demonic presence that's trying to destroy the city, and we're in this battleground of, for revival. And so if we're sitting on our laurels watching Netflix, and the enemy's out doing his stuff, we ought to wake up. I mean, come on. Yeah. He doesn't take vacation, that's right. <laughs> Candace? Um, that makes me concerned about new Christians that don't know this. They're, they're an open vessel, right? Yeah. If we're not praying and interceding and ministering to them, they can be snatched away so easily. I, I remember my father, he had an operation, and afterwards he accepted the Lord. He's told me after I sent a track to him. <laughs> And I prayed, and I couldn't be with him, but he said, don't worry, I'm going to be leaving soon. And um, I asked a someone to pray for him, and a nurse prayed for him, saying, oh, you're a Christian? He says, I am now. <laughs> but the thing is, he died after that. I expected to see him again. 
Well, and, but you know he, where he's at, right? The divine a, appointment. He that, had a blood clot. And I said, well, that, was that God's will for him to have a blood clot and die so suddenly after he accepted the Lord? I said, maybe that was the enemy who got in there. I don't know. You know, the mystery, but the mystery, the mystery of that is he was saved. Yes. Right. I, I, so, don't, I don't know about the baptism and any of that. I wasn't yeah, able yeah. to share him yeah. with yeah. him because he said, you know, he you said. You got a comment on that? No. no. You have a comment on that? Okay. Yeah, I've got a comment on that. Um, I mean, I understand that new Christians, yeah, they're like with me, um, there's a lot of growth that needs to happen to reach the level of maturity that. Apostle Tom has. Oh no, all of us um, are in that growth period. We, we're all growing. <laughs> um, but we can't forget that um, that saying yes to Jesus, praying that sinner's prayer, it's an instantaneous, instantaneous, you're immediately getting the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and that power immediately. Like it's not something that you have to work on, like that happens instantaneously. The heart and the emotions, yes, you've got to do the prayer ministry for. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think the, the, what we read out of Luke's Gospel chapter uh, 10, right, where the 72, these are not experienced folks that have been with walking with Jesus like he's discipling the other 12. And so they're relatively brand new, but they're, they're commissioned, they're believers, and they're sent on their mission, and they said yes. And they are taken back by, we have authority. Jesus confirms that. You don't know how much authority you got. And so that ought to be a comfort to it, but we, we wanna preach the whole gospel. Salvation, of course, but that's where the impartation of power, in Acts chapter one, verse four, it says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift, I promise you. He says in Luke 11, if you'll ask the Father, he'll give you the gift, even evil fathers know how to give a good gift. How much more? So when we preach the fullness of the gospel, salvation is one. That's why when we started this in ministry team training, salvation model, yes, but don't leave this without the impartation of Holy Spirit power. Have them pray, Father, give me the presence, right? Because that's the marker. Now you're born again, and, and I don't know, well, is this one saved? And now We know from the warlocks, and this is not the only guy I've heard that we can't touch them. I've had them come and say, we can't touch you. Say, you're right, you can. <laughs> so, Andrew? Uh, I just, um, I know going to Columbia, my wife being from Columbia, I, sh- I think I shared the story with you a couple weeks ago that, um, when I was down there maybe 10, 12 years ago, we were down there, and on the main line, they only have two stations that report the news, and it's all pretty serious. And here they are reporting from a village, and the police, they're saying, we had witchcraft in this community, the witch doctors, and they showed the, poli- the police pulling the witch doctors out and taking away, and then the Catholic priest, you know, he interviewed the Catholic priest, and he goes, we don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and so I, I, I recorded, I have it recorded somewhere, because they played it again on the nightly news. And so they, the, they, they, call, they, they list that as credible news. We're here, it would just be laughed off, that it's not real. They know it's real down there. And then there was another instance in Cali, Columbia, where my wife saw, they had on mainline news, where the police went in a warehouse and busted because they got a tip, and they had, they had pictures of most, all the pastors in, in this warehouse, abandoned warehouse, where they were doing rituals with their pictures and trying to do whatever. And so, once again, but the church, go ahead. you know, they, they, we do seriously prayer over there, definitely, you know, as a, yeah. 
we also, well, sometimes we feel guilty over here because sometimes we put food, you know, picnics, back clothes, or everything. But I remember over there, we were in a warfare with the drug cartels. Mm -hmm. um, intercession and fasting was part of our daily lives. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Then we realized that the only way that we can get the victory was praying. And through that prayer, it was remembered. The, even the pastor of our church was having some chest pain at 25 years old. But you have chest pain, you don't have any medical issues. That doesn't make sense. But through the prayer intercession, the Lord, Holy Spirit showed to the policeman of Cali that these people, they were doing the horrible words she's attacking against the pastors. And thanks God. That, I mean, that's an encouragement that we need to be praying and not ignoring praying. the machinations yeah. of the enemy. Yes, yeah. amen. Interceding, praying. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I've got a couple of questions and a comment, but I couldn't understand him when he went in that store. And the first um, figures that he was pointing out, I think they were in white, were they like saints or does anybody know who they were that he was saying they the, attached well, spirits uh, to these? Obviously the idols from all, they had Santeria, you had some of the Catholic okay. idols, and, so, and there were different. Yeah, yeah. So it's again, it's a forms of idolatry, and they attach spirits to them. You bring them home thinking that, you know, this is going to be good. And well, it made me think of the scripture. You know, God said, "Don't, don't make any idols. Don't make any, you know, thing that looks like a person or, or, whatever in the earth." And then of course, and then it says, "And worship." And we've always taken, and it's not okay to do it because. If you're gonna worship it, but that that's maybe think well, maybe we really shouldn't be even having it because some people are gonna mistakenly be worshiping it. But anyway, that's. But it also, I mean, has this? It makes me so interested, and in, I wonder if this man has any teaching on how what can churches do to really bring down the principality over their region. Well, I mean, I know we know a lot of stuff, but I the, I was just you know to the, really the, totally strategically. First of all. Do you want to comment on that, Bishop? Okay. So, I mean, this is very powerful. Um, coming from Africa, um, and to comment on some of the things that John Ramirez talked about, the, the revelation of this realm of darkness is growing in America, and I thank God for that. But I grew up with that. I mean, I grew up as a little boy. It, the conversation is there that witches exist, witchcraft exists. I remember my oldest brother, my, my dad went to the village and they gave him some food and came to the house. Long story short, my, dad, my brother was like the second dad in the house, so whatever he says goes. So that night, we were waiting to watch a TV show. Uh, you know, in Africa, some African nations, you don't have power all the time. So we were praying that there will be power so that we can watch the TV show. So at 11, the power came, and we were all excited. So we turned on the TV to watch the show. The show was starting. My brother said, go and bring the meat that daddy brought from the village. And of course, my mom was there. And my mom said, OK, fine. So he started heating the food. And right in front of my eyes, I saw my brother's eyes roll back in the socket. His teeth clamped up, and he was dying. Our neighbor, who is a spirit-filled believer, we hear him pray all the time. That was my first introduction into the spiritual realm and supernatural power of Jesus. He came, 
and just addressed that thing, and he stopped. And we took him, of course, out of abundance of caution, we took him to church that night. So he spent the night at the church. So that was the first time I was introduced to, ooh, there's another realm that has power over all this darkness that I've been told growing up. So that so, was food dedicated to idols? Oh, yeah. That had come back. They yeah. projected witchcraft into it. So all the things that you're hearing about, I heard it growing up. So now that I'm a born-again child of God, and God is you know, in introducing me into the power of God and all that, I can understand what John is saying, maybe more than an average American would. Part of the strategy of the enemy is to uh, keep us ignorant or put some Western mindset on it that this particular disease that we call it is actually a demon that's in a, a spirit of infirmity. So the question was, well, what can we do as churches? It, well, first of all, spirit-filled church. Have the full armor, the full gospel, the full power, the revelation of who we are in Christ and what our role is. Go and destroy the works of darkness, right? First John 4. Jesus came to destroy the works of darkness in John 14 says, 12. Now go and do likewise. If you believe me, go and do what I did. Even greater work shall you do. So part of that is what's our assignment? What's our recognition? Who's the authority? What's our power? Then do it. But then there's the, the next step is strategically. We went to, I think, 30 different Masonic lodges. Uh, we, we, we mapped it out. We took communion every look. So it's like, how do you take back the land? So we've been in the process of recovering and, and destroying the works of darkness, prayer walking, mapping. These are all things. If you look in our prayer room, we've got the county there. These are places where when the Lord tells us strategically what to do, and then you pray in certain people that come. When you start bringing people together that are spirit-filled and you worship, worship drives the devil completely nutty. So spirit-filled worship is uh, praise, pushes back the darkness and then making room for prayer ministry. I get excited when you have 30 intercessors come together on Wednesday morning. There's something powerful in intercession. I, I said, we'll know revival breaks out when there's more people in the intercession meeting than there is on the Sunday morning meeting. Then we'll know they're getting it. They're get, they got it. You know, this is that place where we stand in the gap. And so, so part of that is revelation of the word and obviously you guys are hungry ones that's why you've been coming to understand how do we fight this thing but recognizing what your authority is the main thing i, I want to cut you free from all this but from anything that would try to mess with you at all the main thing i wanted you to see is here's somebody who went into the, probably the deepest level of darkness and god in his grace pulled him out for a purpose why because we need people when we do um ministry for the women who've been trafficked and they come in and they tell us this is what this world is about. Or we have someone who comes out of the perversion lifestyle and now they are actively advocates of truth. God is raising up people from all of these different realms because why? Because he's just a good God that knows how to reach where we are. So part of it is for us to find well, what's my role, where am I at, and then how do I destroy the works of darkness. How do we do that? Bethany. Um, something I just want to, wanted to say is it's a lot easier than you think to just like buy something and think, oh, this looks cute. Because just the beginning of this month, I came back from Nicaragua and from a street vendor, there was a cute bracelet. And I was like, all right, it's two bucks. They said three dollars, I negotiated two dollars, and I was like, all right, I got it. Just this weekend, someone looked at the kind of the red 
of it. Like, oh, that's demonic. I was like, no, oh, it's a cute souvenir. It's fine. And then another person came up with the charm, and they said, okay, that actually stands for something demonic. And after two people told me that, I was like, you know, this cost me two bucks. I don't want to take this chance. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is some harmless souvenir, but I don't want to take this chance. So you're at camp meeting, and two people individually come and identify that. Why? Because... You belong to the Lord. You just got back from mission trip, spent your money, was helping people out, and think I'm doing something right. There's. I thought I was just wearing a cute yeah. souvenir. But, hey, you, know? you see how much the Lord loves you, though, to yeah. expose it, right? And so, again, this that revelation of truth, he's got you in view. To piggyback on what she's saying, I learned early on, I was going to, I got saved at the vineyard in California, and they taught us early on that if you identify idols in your home, whether it be books or whatever, don't just throw them out. Destroy them. You don't want someone else picking them up. Right. You know, if it's books, burn them, or, you know, whatever it is. I like mean, the I, beautiful Masonic Bible that's big and beautiful yeah. in the trash can that <laughs> yeah. That had to be taken care of. Yeah, right? I remember some of the the um, the rock and roll uh, albums I had. I had to take a hammer to them. Amen. To, they Defile were the hardest that. ones to destroy. Yeah. So I've got a troublemaker question. What's like? What's the line between trusting God and knowing that He's got us and that there are countless on our side for us that He's for us? And then driving yourself crazy, doing everything like nonstop, because you could. There's that many things to battle out there. So where's the line of? Well, I err on the side of faith. I maybe don't do enough active warfare. My, the word says, my sheep hear my voice. So one, we, we don't want to get so wrapped up there's demons under every bush and like, you know, no. Nah, first of all, if you know who you are in Christ and you're protected, you just heard from a high-level warlock, can't touch him. So one, that will motivate us to uh, don't open doors, yes. don't bring stuff in that, yes. you know, be careful. This is the strategic plan of the enemy is tricky. He's deceptive, right? And so... But my sheep hear my voice, so what fight are you called to? He'll tell you. This is where you go and ask the Lord. Remember, Lord, do you want me to go on this mission trip or go this place? We're hearing the voice of the Lord, and then you're called in this particular time in this place. So you don't have to be freaked out with, um, I want to make sure I'm doing everything right. The Lord will take care of this. Lord, you know, I'm open to you. I'm surrendered. So if I'm... Well, this morning, it was really cool. Um, one of our ladies was struggling, needed $1,000 for a bill, and she was a little stressed out about it. And so she'd been praying about it, and then this person drives by the shop, turns back around, doesn't know her from Adam, walks in and confronts her and says, how much money do you need? I need $1,000, writes the check. So... That woman heard the voice of the Lord to meet the need of the one who needed it. And so if we would just pay attention to what the Father's saying and let the, vo let the voice of the Lord be heard, uh, we won't be freaked out. I belong to you. Uh, whatever you want me to do today, I'm open to it. And, and we'll learn that was the Lord. Well, I, I think I was self-centered and I didn't do what you told me to do here. And he'll, 
He works with us, right? Freakout's not my problem, personally. My problem's probably on the other side. Not, maybe not doing enough, because I feel so, I feel like I should feel confident. You know, I, I think I'm aware of that, and I've studied stuff like this before. And so then you ask the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be complacent and so secure that I don't, re- I, that I'm, I miss my assignments, right? That's good, okay. I was going to comment on that earlier. If you notice in John Ramirez's uh, presentation, he talked about how he would spend all night in prayer to the demons and Satan himself. And an average believer won't spend enough time to pray. I think there's something to be said about that. Because even Jesus said to his disciples when he said, you guys stay here. Let me go over there and pray. And then he came back and he was rebuking them. You guys can't even pray for one hour? So we don't want to be too, oh, Jesus got it. I don't got to do anything else. Like yesterday, I was having prayer time with my kids, and I was talking to them about the need for prayer, not from fear, not from being jittery and looking under the bush for every demon, but just fellowship with the Lord. That's all you need to do. I'm telling you, when you start doing that, you get into two hours, three hours, you, you forget about the clock because you are just in the presence of the Lord. And it's not just praying for four hours like a robot, but you worship, you pray, you read the Bible, you meditate, especially on Saturday mornings for me because I'm not going anywhere. So I just take my time. I start early and sometimes till noon. I'm I'm still there. So it's just fellowship with God. But if you are doing the uh, fast food prayer, God still loves us. But we need to get better. Just, just look at what the word says. Not out of fear, yeah. but grow, mature. You know, the kind of food you give to a toddler is different from what you are eating right now. You are eating steak, you are eating all kinds of good stuff. Well, let's mature. The same way in the spirit realm, grow, develop, and grow. And going back to the question about uh, a young believer, what's going what's gonna to happen to them? They don't know all of this stuff. God has got them. Don't worry about them. Worry about your own life. Worry about your own spiritual life. God has ways to cover all of us. Yeah. When we were kind of new into all this, he was teaching and training us and equipping us overseas. And we made, you know, some crazy, but he, he fills in all the gaps. It's kind of like when your little one doesn't have all the wherewithal. You're right there. You're watching what's happening, you know, and you're equipping. And so I just encourage us that, when you love someone, you'll spend time, you want to spend time with them. It's just the way it works, right? And so spend time with the one, the one you love. Well, just as John would plan and strategize, God gives us strategy. He tells us how to handle, what to pray, what to do. And, and that always trumps what God does or what Satan tries to do. What God tells us to do when we just listen yeah. to him, we can come up. He'll, he'll say, you know, go ahead and pray this or, or, you know, he'll give a strategy. He'll put people on your mind and pray and intercede for. And, and so that's, yeah. uh, that's where he'll wake you up at three in the morning and like, I don't even know what I'm, why am I praying? What am I awake? And he's, mm-hmm. he's got his people on the wall. Yeah, because Debbie, the same Rebecca? spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in yeah, us. And quickens your mortal power. body. Romans 8, 11. Hand it down to Rebecca. Thank you. Um, it's just been on my heart ever since um, 
Candace? Candace. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know you. I know your name. I'm sorry. Ever since you said um, that maybe it was God's will, and I just wanted to make sure that, um, well, I kind of had that feeling, too, after my mom passed away, and I even thought, like, well, we've been praying, you know, that God's will be done, and and then after the Lord delivered me, I, I went on this, like, three-month journey into the character and nature of God, and it's not ever his will that that these kind of things, that cancer would happen or strokes and things like that. Um, and like Bill, with what happened with Bill Johnson, we don't understand God, and we know He works all things together for good. But yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And He's not finished working out all the things yeah. that He's going to do with this story. I yeah. know that about the Lord, but um. And then a, another part of this, it was just like, oh my gosh, he's so amazing. Like it's the goodness and the, the nature of God, but also when Jesus said, it is finished, when he said tetalistai, if you know the magnitude of what that means. And like, it's not about us, but when we do come to him and just the power of his name. So we don't, we definitely don't have to be afraid of. <laughs> One of the things that um, I tried to learn a long time ago is the more light I have, the less darkness I have to worry about. And uh, I was taught by Ann White uh, many years ago that uh, she said, Chester, um, and she's the one that told me about the way the government um, uh, checks their uh, their money and the way they teach the people that look at the value or look at the the way they the money is counterfeit how they use people to, to examine the counterfeit money they never look at the counterfeit money they just look at the the real money and they study it and the more they study the real money uh, the less uh, they have problems with the counterfeit because they know the real money so well uh, that they don't have any problem with a counterfeit. Yeah. So I think that's true with us spiritually. I think that's true with the Word of God. The more we understand the Word of God, and the more that we focus on our time with the Lord, uh, the less we have to worry about darkness. Um, I think, um, I wrote a letter one time back in 1992 called The Secret Place. What's it and called? The Secret Place. Uh, the Secret Place. And um, the Lord gave me that letter back in March of 6, I think it was, 1992. And um, it basically said that um, we really can't function and have that place with the Lord or even have uh, a relationship with the Lord without a secret place with the Lord. Now, the secret place is um, developing an intimacy with the Lord. And that's really what he wants. This whole, for lack of a better term, ball game, if you will, with the Lord, is a relationship with him. It's not um, 
all the information. The church is full of information. But what do we do with that information? Good. If it's not turning us into a relationship, what value is it? He wants a relationship with each of us. Yeah. And the more we develop that relationship, the less we have to worry about the other side of the problem, which is trying to destroy us every day. Yeah, that's good. And believe me, he knows what kind of relationship each of us has got. And so uh, we need to be developing our intimacy with the Lord more and more every day. That's good. And the less we'll have to worry about the demonic side. Yeah, the truth shall set you free, right? So knowing the truth is awesome. And if you love someone, you'll spend time with them. I may kind of twist this a little bit, but what Deanne said is about the Lord gives you strategy. And Chester was secret place. You know, and then there's grace, grace. And all that works together. But we can't be ignorant of the fact at least for me, I have encountered not one, but two demonically possessed Satanists recently that don't care for me. I'm on a mission, and they're people that have made themselves known to me that are evil. And I can't be ignorant of that. Um, and so I spend time in this secret place. And even one day out at the tent, I knew I needed to go worship, but my body was just like, I think I want to sit in a chair instead. And I did. And Mary Esther was there, and I got in behind Mary Esther, and then I just went completely berserk. But that our worship is our warfare. Our time in the secret place is our warfare. Um, sitting quietly, waiting for the strategy to come, is our warfare. The word is our warfare. So we can't be ignorant of the fact that it's getting darker and darker, and there are going to be more and more people like him. I didn't want to see this because I didn't want to see something that I, I might not have you know, known. I didn't want to see this again. Um, but it gave me encouragement, the parts, especially the parts when he said, they can't touch you basically when you're prayed up. When you've looked for every crack in your foundation and you don't have one, or if one appears, you immediately slam it shut. So that discernment, that strategy, that you've got a door open or you've got a crack or whatever, you've, you've got to really work on that. We have to be prayed up Christians. We have to be. Because darkness is going to try to take us all out. And Jesus wins as long as we're inviting him in. That's good. Excellent. There was one comment this week. Someone said <clears throat> last week when we were doing the, uh, the story sheet on how you kind of log things out and what, what's the story behind, what's the spirit behind what you're hearing. One of those, why do you cut people free or ask them about Native American heritage? Did you see the Native American statues in there? The reason, it's never to cut someone free from their legitimate her inheritance or where they've come from, right? There's a, God puts us in family groups, this is where we've come from. But we know that there could be darkness associated with it. My grandfather was a Mason. Uh, so when I ask that question, when they're, they're, if they're animists, and we know that the, the Native Americans had worshiped the creation rather than the creator. And so 
we don't we want to cut them free from the ungodly inheritance, whatever that is. Um, and so that's why we ask the question: Are you, or do you have roots in? What are your roots, right? Well, yeah, roots from communism. Well, th let's cut you free from that as well. So the legitimate side is that. Well, this is crazy. I'm sharing this because two people in a row said it, and and I know this sounds convenient, but I woke up this morning from a series of s dreams that were essentially about the storm clouds gathering and what's 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 getting ready to break out, and um, and as I was waking up out of the dream in that kind of half asleep, half awake state, I clearly heard the Lord say, "The secret place is the key." Well, there's so, a confirmation. Boom. That'll that'll confirm it. So. Getting in our secret place. And I don't know any of the other words, and this is probably a worldly song. I don't know who sang it, but what keeps coming to my mind, that song, da 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 can't touch us, da 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 can't touch us. <laughs> yeah, I like that song. So, yeah, we're going to land this thing because the children's ministry will be after yeah, me. Sorry, sorry, guys. One more thing. Um, there was this story that was told by Kenneth Higging. Uh, they were praying for somebody uh, that was sick, you know, going back to what happened to my dad. Did the devil snatch my dad? And they were praying, everybody was praying, and they were standing just, just like we do in this church. And then the Lord spoke. He said, everything is going to be all right. So everybody interpreted what was said that the person will recover and will get well. And then a few hours later, they heard from the hospital that the person passed away. I said, wait a minute. Did we hear God? Did we miss God? Everything is all right. The guy is in heaven. There are times that God will take people because he's an all-seeing God. Because if they stay longer, they might fall away and end up in hell. So God sees what we don't see. So instead of us focused on why did this person, of course, there's going to be grief. We're going to sorrow over our parent or loved one that died. But let's move on with our own race. Let's run our own race. Let's continue with our own race. That's, that's why the Bill Johnson part was really awesome, where Bill had the whole church praying for Benny to be healed of cancer. They interceded. They went on the wall. But when the Lord said, I'm taking her home, the challenge would be, well, why didn't God answer my prayer? He did. <laughs> he answered it the best way ever because he's a really good dad. <clears throat> okay, last one here. <clears throat> Tom, in saying what I said, I, I wasn't saying that we are to be ignorant of the, the schemes of the devil. But what I run into over the years, uh, I see too many people going to the extreme. Uh, they, they, they study the extreme, and they get into trouble. And so that you do not want to do. Yeah, that's wisdom. We, we, we're, we recognize the enemy's plans, but we're not, we're not uh, going to be all wound up on it. So that's why I was hesitant to show something like this, because not everybody can handle it. So I'm glad you handled it. And let's stand. I'm going to cut you free from this. And uh, next week, we're going to do the fivefold ministry teaching. And we're going to start. It was interesting that uh, it was Robert Henderson who does the courts of heaven when he shared the first night in the tent. He goes, If you're going to move in with God, you better get into the fivefold ministry. 
It opens up portals, or he said, I think he says it opens doors. I can't remember the exact language, but I'm like, we just scheduled this thing. Yay, God. So, he, so um, we're going to dive in for like five or six weeks into, is it six weeks? Yeah, six weeks into what is the five-fold ministry. We'll have a place you can take a test and find out where you kind of fit in the five-fold part of this. And so, so Lord, I want to thank you for Revelation not only information, but revelation, the rhema. Lord, I want to take the sword of the Spirit and cut all of us free. Those listening by live stream, anyone that was disturbed or uh, kind of pulled back the veil with how evil evil is, how dark darkness is. But same point, Lord, we ask now for wisdom to not be afraid, to know our place, to know that you've got us, that we have authority over darkness, and then, Lord, that we will hear your voice strategically for families, for, for areas, for regions, for countries. So, Lord, we just thank you. I ask now that you'd release such a peace of Holy Spirit right now that the Holy Spirit's presence, his peace would settle. The Prince of Peace, the angels that are sent on assignment to take charge over you that you would not dash your foot on a stone. And those who live in the sheltered place under the shadow shall find rest. And then you spring all the traps the enemy tries to set. Those that are in that sheltered, shadowed place are close. They're in the secret place up close. And the enemy has no power. You may see thousands dying left and right, 10,000, but none of these evils shall befall your dwelling place. So I thank you, Lord, for your covering and your protection. And now, Lord, give us grace. We thank you for all the battles that your folks are in right now. Lord, I ask for grace and wisdom to follow you hard, Father. And we ask that you'd give us direction in the next steps that you have for us as a body of believers here. In Jesus' name. And get an amen? Amen. amen. God bless you all. Thank you.